I'm not allowed to watch TV anymore. Have I mentioned this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have been banned from looking at the TV, even when it's on and we're all sitting around it, because I'm going to yell at it like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I, I get it because I watched a, I'm assuming, innocent, young, doe interviewer, anchor, give a few seconds over to Donald Trump's impeachment lawyer, who, let's face it, like, I've already forgotten his name. Um, <laughs> and that's for the best. Yes. <laughs> but I saw her doing an interview with this guy, and he was just rambling like an idiot. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case, and when they had to come to the court of the Senate to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking. And the lady said, To be clear times, for our viewers, what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet 2020 that should have actually read 2021 and he went bananas and went full on ad hominem that's not enough for you that's not enough for you I'm, I, I, I'm, I, wait 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 and she's like no Sir, no no I'm trying listen, I am not a listen. juror in this trial that's, what I'm trying to be all... clear for our viewers is what you actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to because no, not no, everybody no. has found... been following and he's like the media has to start telling the right story in this country the media is trying to divide this country you are bloodthirsty for ratings and he turned right back on her and was like, I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. Your coverage is so slanted, it's got to stop. You guys have to stop and start reporting more like PBS does rather than a TV news show that doesn't have any journalistic integrity at all because the media wants to tell their narrative rather than just telling it like it is. And frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm not a media, I'm not in front of your cameras all the time, but what right. I've been subjected Sir, I, to I, I, this I last week. I understand yeah. and I've given you, don't you the opportunity. You want to hear the truth. Yeah. Okay. I've given you the opportunity. I, I will remind you that what I said was that for our viewers who have not been following all of the hours of of this trial, mm -hmm. to be clear about what you what you are speaking about, and I understand. I'm speaking that you about seem the House managers' upset. failure to prove their case. That's that, that's what I'm telling and you. They you weren't able to prove their the case. Acquittal. You have won the acquittal of your client. Yes, and if you'd I like did. to continue to talk about this conversation, we can have that discussion. I don't need but, to. Uh, but for me to ask a question, a, a slanted a slant question, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That was your question. Isn't it okay for that. them to cheat? I didn't it's say just that. a little bit. You no. said, to be fair, it was it's only fine. a check on the Twitter. That's what you said. You gotta live by your words. I, uh, That's I, the problem. The media has to start living by the truth and not try to right. create a narrative. Michael Vanderveen, yep. thank you for Citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. Yep. Okay, I, I, I see you taking off your microphone now. That was President Trump's defense attorney.
Michael Vanderveen. And I watched that and I, I was just like, how in the hell is that guy not disbarred? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's going to take some time for this country to sort out and really deal with the ramifications of everything that happened. I am very afraid because of the the tribalism in this country that, you know, <laughs> the Republicans literally attempted a coup and like you still have, you know, Republican supporters being like, well, yeah, but the Democrats said a lot of bad things too. Clearly not understanding <laughs> what magnitude is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know what they mean? just don't want to. Maybe, maybe not, but maybe, I, but like, I, I don't know. Like, Nick, I ask you, when has this country ever dealt with its issues? It's a good, anything I mean, less it, than a Band-Aid? It's it that I mean that's a truly fair point, and and the the amount of issues that this whole this whole disastrous presidency and pandemic and you know the call for for racial justice the amount of issues that have been surfaced is probably like more enough issues for like four or five generations to work through, and that's if they're if they're working towards just and right and you know not everybody is so it's probably more generations than that you know i I gotta hope because i'm you know raising children in this country like i gotta hope that the pendulum of justice is swinging in the right direction and it just takes more time than you know a a month and a half after this craziness however like i i do want to say I never want to hear a conservative talk about Benghazi ever again. (laughs) This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on February 9th, 2021. On tonight's It Will Probably Be Okay... We're talking coffee. It's coffee talk. Talk coffee with us. From the cafe of presidential mystery cabinets to the past of the highly confidential mod for Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, let's talk hot coffee. Be careful, the contents inside this cup are hot. Tonight, I'm Nick and I like cold brew. Speaking of hot coffee. I'm Mackenzie, and I am actually very into Swedish processed decaf coffee right now. And I am Gabe Wallenberg. The best part of waking up. <laughs> so, no, let's just get this out of the way, you guys. Are you ready? Let's. We're just going to get this out of the way real quick. Welcome to Coffee Talk with your host, Linda Richmond. Welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Linda Richmond. I'm verklempt. I really struggled with this topic because I immediately have a coffee story. I have a bunch of coffee stories. But like, you know how I want to always challenge myself to come up with a different take on coffee than than first thought, right? Mm -hmm. And and I don't really know a lot about coffee. Like, I know what good coffee is. I know how to brew coffee. I know different types of coffee. But, like, what do I really know about coffee? And so I realized, for me, 
coffee is like one of those quintessential good for you, bad for you, question mark things, right? Mm. Coffee is like butter. 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 Like, I guess it's good for you, but maybe it isn't. And like, it's celebrated by the culture, but like, oh, it's also kind of like behind closed doors shamed because, you know, it's a it's a socially acceptable medication or a, a drug for abuse. And, and nobody seems to have any idea about whether or not coffee is good for you or bad for you, or at best, productive part of being, you know, part of society. So like any good investigator with a credential tied to a major Midwestern Catholic college, I hit up JSTOR. <laughs> and, and because I'm a digital pack rat, I started opening up journals and saving copies and downloading everything because I want to read that and I want to read that. And here's an article that that questions all of the decisions that went into gendering a coffee brewer as male. I'm looking at you, Mr. Coffee. And I'm <laughs> saving all of these docs. And like, I'm looking at them because I, I like Nikenji, like you and I, I think research the same way. You're like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. And you have a stack that's eight feet tall and you just start reading. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, you get through the first three pages and you're like, nope, this isn't good. This isn't, you know, oh yeah, this is good. And then I find this article and I have it. I have a link to it in the show if y'all want to read it, but I find this article, here's the title, Coffee Drinking, An Emerging Social Problem? Mm. Oh, God. Is this from 1980? 1984, published <gasps> by Oxford <laughs> University Press. <laughs> in the Journal of Social Problems. <laughs> and it's like, kind of like this hit job. Like... This guy was wounded by Mr. Coffee or something. And so he wants to set Mr. Coffee up to be like the second coming of the Marlboro Man, right? Like these authors want to be the ones who said, uh-huh, see, see how we told you cigarettes were no yeah, good? Yeah. But they want to be that for coffee. That's probably a pretty lucrative career. You know, like, like if you guess right on that, you know, yeah. you're going to be a talking head for the rest of your life. Here's the guy who found the smoking gun that proved big coffee was deliberately marketing their product to teenagers who are smoking cigarettes and playing euchre at the country kitchen in Richland, the center, Wisconsin, right? Which is where I first really started drinking coffee. But I want you to enjoy this delightful, boring ass, terrible introduction to an article. Here we are. <clears throat> Coffee has a special place in the lives of most people in the United States. As a social custom, Coffee confers adult status since children are not allowed to drink it. Its daily use stimulates social interaction. The coffee pot is present at most workplaces. Coffee drinking is widespread in the United States. In 1976, some 101 million people 20 years or older, 80% of the US population 
drank an average of 3.2 cups of coffee a day. Now listen, if my sophomores turned in a research paper with that as their introductory paragraph, I would give them a C. This is okay. So what across the board? Like what, why am I reading this? It goes on for eight more paragraphs talking about coffee and what it is as if anyone reading this is unfamiliar with coffee. (laughs) Isn't that just how academia works though? Like you, you always have to have like, kind of like the, the boring paragraph that everyone understands or like the, the boring yes. thing that everyone knows because you never know. Somebody might be reading this 600 years from now. Culture is very different. And, and I get that. Like, I get that you guys. And I've actually really struggled with that because I don't write a Melcom paragraph mm-hmm. and neither do you. Like, as far as I know, like yep. you, I need to write efficiently and I need to write to the point and I need to make you terrified not to read the next sentence. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of writing Mm-hmm. that that I do and did. But this is like the long lingering <laughs> lead that says, if you say something everybody knows, then no one will object to reading further. And it's just right. like, yes. yeah. I don't get it. Here's some interesting facts about coffee I was able to glean from this article. And let's just assume they're properly sourced because I don't have it in me to go find primary sources like the Ladies' Home Journal, where in 1916, the Ladies' Home Journal was warning nursing mothers to avoid coffee because it would interfere with milk production. Mm. And I always wonder, well, why would the cows be drinking milk? (laughs) (laughs) Drinking coffee. I screwed that joke up. The New York Times in 1912 quoted a physician who said, the tea and coffee habit is decidedly pathologic. Like, okay, so we get it. (laughs) Coffee has caffeine in it, and people drink caffeine because they are tired in the morning, and it feels good. And okay, so now we get into the medical research on caffeine. And they talk about, you know, the 100, 150 milligram caffeine per five ounce cup or whatever. And, and yada, 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 and the boring history of it. But then they start talking about whether or not caffeine is a mutagen. I'll read. When the structure of DNA, the molecule which contains the genetic code, was discovered in 1953, researchers had further reason to suspect caffeine was a mutagen. The chemical structure of caffeine is similar to one of the nucleic acids of the DNA molecule. When such similar substances are accidentally incorporated into DNA, as occasionally happens, mutations occur. Cock, 1956. If the if the coffee is mutating your genes, stop putting coffee on your junk. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, is, is, isn't that what happened to that lady at McDonald's? <laughs> Nikenji, this is why you don't drink and research. <laughs> so at Harvard Public Health, they started in 71, they started linking coffee to cancer. In 1960, they start linking coffee to birth defects. In 1970, they start linking coffee to heart disease. There's psychological research. Psychiatric ward patients are high users of coffee. It's a poor choice of beverage for the schizophrenic or psychotic patient. Caffeine consumption as a problem for the general population starts getting studied in 74, 79. There's studies in 81. They use the diagnostic label of caffeinism to characterize behavioral patterns attributed to caffeine consumption. The symptoms of caffeinism gets added to the DSM. Damn. Caffeinism, restless nervousness, excitement, insomnia, insomnia, flushed face, diuresis, and gastrointestinal complaints. Like, yup. <laughs> <laughs> That's coffee. <laughs> That's coffee, all right. Yep. So this goes on for another 15 pages, and then we get to references. And their conclusion is as banal as their introduction. To some... Coffee drinking poses what Breacher, 1972, has called a paradox. Thus, we come to the coffee paradox. The question of how a drug so fraught with potential hazard can be consumed in the United States at the rate of more than 100 billion doses a year without arousing the kind of hostility, legal repression, and social condemnation aroused by the illicit drugs. Yeah. Wow. And I look through all of this and I could probably dig up primary sources. But as I read it, I realized this is supposed to be like a, a meta study, but they really don't come to any kind of conclusion. They just sort of list like vague ideas about how coffee should be considered more like cigarettes. There's even a section called coffee and cigarettes, which... When I first saw it, I was like, yeah, I'll take it. That's a really I nice think, song by, by Michelle Featherstone. I gave up coffee and cigarettes. I hate to say it hasn't helped me yet. And like, it's how I spent my youth. But it's true. I'm still. But I finally know what to do I must quit I must quit you <laughs> You know, I don't know. So, so there's that. And I'll pause for a moment and we can see if you guys have reactions. But like, I feel like I painted the picture as as unfairly as I could to say this is this does not seem to me without doing actual research instead of cracking a beer and digging around until I find a bunch of cool stuff to read. But like, OK, what does that get us? 1984. <laughs> I, I mean, here's here's my reaction to that. And maybe we've even talked about this before. But, you know, when I think about, you know, 
even the things that have changed since my childhood. You know, I, I remember being told like, oh yeah, you can like eat all the bread you want. You're a kid. And there's like nothing in bread. And now it's like, whoa, 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 wash your cards. So like, I mean, <laughs> no, seriously. Not like, eat, eat a loaf of Wonder Bread. Like, <laughs> there's nothing in bread. It's just the little holes between the bread. It's air. It's all air. It's like a balloon. Yeah, right. There's part of me that feels like, you know, maybe there is some validity to this. But then when you think about the fact that even since this story was published, the average life expectancy has increased. And, and you know, you start to be like, well, how bad can this really be for you? I mean, essentially, by all of us drinking all these doses of coffee, we're running a huge coffee experiment. And <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, like, to me, like, maybe there is some truth to some of this stuff in this article, Gabe, that you're sharing. But like, I, I think it's really pretty negligible. Well, and so I wanted to answer that question, right? Like, surely 1984 was not peak coffee science. But then again, you never know what gets funded. And as luck would have it, one of the 35 articles I grabbed from JSTOR was a 2017 published umbrella review with multiple health outcomes regarding coffee consumption. Aye. And this is when I was like, now we get to some data. Yeah. And like I start flipping through it and there's like charts in here, Nikenji, that like you're going to have to explain to me. Like I don't follow, but like I'll, I'll in the interest of time, they have this beautiful what is already known section and what this study adds summary on the front page. What is already known? Coffee is highly consumed and could have health benefits. Harmful associations with coffee seem to vary. And the understanding of coffee and health and how they work together, that's important. Uh, <laughs> mind blown. Groundbreaking. Then they add what this study adds, and we get into the conclusion. Coffee consumption seems generally safe within the usual levels of intake with summary estimates indicating the largest risk reduction for various health outcomes at three to four cups a day. Damn, that's a beautiful thing. Three to four cups a day is more likely to benefit health than harm. Robust wow. randomized controlled trials are needed to understand whether the observed associations are causal, but outside of pregnancy, existing evidence suggests that coffee could be tested as an intervention without significant risk of causing harm. Bingo. That's what I was looking for. Because what I really wanted to talk about when I talk about coffee is that a few years ago, and by a few, I mean 15, I thought I should just quit coffee. And so <laughs> I, I, I went cold turkey through the, the two months of morning headaches, and then they went away, and I was just like... I had literally never been more depressed. And I talked to the nice lady who I pay money to tell me that I'm a good person. And she said, why don't you just have some coffee? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, cause you know, coffee, caffeine, bad for you. Boo, don't depend on medication. And she says, but you, you take a depression medication 
how is coffee any different? And I thought, oh. And so from that day forward, I have enjoyed coffee without regret. (laughs) Flash forward to February 16th, 2021. In preparation for this very uh, conversation, I find this article and it turns out that coffee has a measurable benefit within statistical error on those with type 2 diabetes, oral cancer, psoriasis, renal stones, Parkinson's disease, leukemia, gout, liver cancer, and chronic liver disease. And in fact, the chronic liver disease appears to have the most favorable response to treatment with coffee. So the answer is coffee was bad in the 80s and is good for you today. The end. Thank you very much. (laughs) So that's my take on coffee. If we have time, I'll tell you about the really fancy special coffee I bought from Stone Creek that I have never been more profoundly disappointed in, but can't tell anyone about because I spent a lot of fucking money on it. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, Gabe, you went back, you went back, I think, in your research to the early 1900s, I think you had mentioned. I went back a little earlier. And when I started thinking about today's topic, I started thinking about first guy that made coffee. Like, like I think about anything that is somewhat complex. How did they figure out how to do that? Like, how did they know how to do this? Who came up with this? So I, I decided I wanted to figure that out. So the story of the invention of coffee as a drink is apocryphal. However, the legend is that there was a goat herder named Caldi who first discovered the, the energetic quality of these beans because the goats were eating them. And... So he shared this information with the abbot at the local monastery who made a drink with the, the berries and found that it kept him alert through long hours of evening prayer, which is, I mean, the exact, not, well, maybe we're not using the coffee for long hours of evening prayer, but we're definitely using it for the, the alertness and the energy. So that's the alleged story of how coffee was discovered in the Ethiopian plateau to be a, an energy booster. Somebody decided, hey... This coach shit smells pretty good. Let's cook it up and put it in hot water. I guess I'll eat it. The earliest credible evidence of coffee drinking or knowledge appears in the middle of the 15th century in Yemen. That's where coffee seeds were first roasted and brewed in a similar way to how they're prepared now. And coffee houses quickly became an important place for the people of Yemen. They were known as schools of the wise. By the 17th century, coffee had made its way to Europe and some people were rather suspicious of it and they even called it a bitter invention of Satan. Why does Satan get such blame, man? Uh, The local clergy condemned coffee and the controversy was so great that Pope Clement, the 
eighth was asked to intervene, he decided to taste the beverage for himself before making a decision and found the drink satisfying and coffee received papal approval. Coffee then replaced our the European beverage drinks of the time, which were beer and wine. <laughs> <laughs> Those who drank coffee, they rather than alcohol, found that they began the day alert and energized. <laughs> And the quality of their work was greatly improved. To be fair, though, like, you know, they were drinking coffee instead of beer and wine because the water would kill them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yes. you couldn't drink the water, but you could boil it with goat shit. And I guess it was pretty tasty. In the mid 1600s, coffee came to New Amsterdam, which is now known as New York. And uh, it originally tea was the favorite drink in the new world. But as we know, the Boston Tea Party happened and that forever changed America's drinking preference to coffee. So that those were kind of the interesting tidbits that I found about the history of coffee. I still found I, I mean, maybe there's no way of knowing. But but again, I, I, I still I when I think of some of these things and the complexities towards like getting them to the state where we consume them. There's probably more to this story that maybe we'll never know. But as far as my coffee drinking, I didn't. I did not drink coffee when I was younger. I, d- I didn't like how it smelled. I'm sure I tasted it and I wasn't a fan of it. I only started drinking coffee when I got a job at an athletic club where I started at five in the morning and I had to make three giant industrial-sized pots of Folgers coffee every morning, two regular and one decaf. And I just really needed a boost in the morning. So I started drinking this crappy coffee and, you know, it was better than nothing. So I, I weaned my way into coffee and bad coffee. And now just as, as time's gone on, I've really become more of a coffee snob. Uh, and I can't see myself drinking that crummy coffee anymore. And one coffee that I cannot stand is flavored coffee. I know there's a big flavored coffee roaster there in Watertown mm. that made their name on flavored coffee. So that's my little screed <laughs> on coffee's history and my history with coffee. And I guess I just wanted to know from the two of you, how did you start drinking coffee? Who introduced it to you? How old do you remember being? I think I was maybe about 23 or 24 when I started drinking coffee. Um, what, what's your coffee story? Let's see. I don't think I, I probably had coffee at some point as a kid. I think actually the coffee that I thought I was drinking was actually just chocolate, but that's another matter. Coffee isn't a thing that we drink for breakfast. Well, with breakfast in the morning, we're a tea country or like mm-hmm. our Milo's, which is basically like hot chocolate. When I was a teenager, like so 14 or so, there was like this, this, this place that sold coffee, like a lot of frappes and and shit so basically like sugar and so i would drink frappuccinos and that's how i got into coffee originally and then i came to the states and i you know go to starbucks get a frappuccino and then i think by the time i hit college they would have just like coffee available you know in the calf and so i tried it and i was like well shit i don't like this shit just raw and so i realized with like some like milk or cream like that's really the jam so then it became more like half coffee half milk or cream and then like a shit ton of sugar and as it progressed i got better at like not needing to be like half coffee half cream over the years like working at our former employer like i got pretty used to like really bad coffee (laughs) and 
over the years, like recently, like last year, I was kind of like wondering like whether or not coffee, well, rather caffeine was affecting like my pain levels with my chronic pain. So I was like, I try to try to wean myself off of it, but I've been here in America for so long that now to me, a morning beverage is a hot cup of coffee. And I like the, the creaminess of it and the bitterness of it. And it's just not replaceable by tea. So for like the last 12, no, like 10 months or so, I, I, I always say Swedish process, but it's Swiss process. Mm, okay. So it's a Swiss water process for decaffeinating coffee. And it's much better than the chemical process. So I've been doing that. And over the last couple months, I've actually kind of been like, oh, well, I don't really need coffee today. So I've been able to like switch to tea gradually. I'm hoping that that is a sign that like, I am getting myself off of it because I don't actually enjoy coffee. I guess I enjoy coffee now, but like caffeine doesn't do anything for me. The only time caffeine does anything for me is if I'm like fasting or like when I was doing keto or like when I was fasting recently, I, one day I came home, like I had a coffee, like an actual caffeinated coffee at a store. And I was like, why do I feel high? Like, I feel high <laughs> as a kite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then I realized I was drinking caffeinated coffee. And I was like, oh, is this like how normal people feel? Because when I drink caffeinated coffee, it doesn't do anything for me on a like a regular basis. Like yeah. if I'm eating food and all this other stuff. But yeah, my go-to now is I order it from Amazon. It's No Fun Joe Decaf, um, which is organic decaf, ground coffee, Swiss water process, fair trade, certified, medium dark roast, 100% Arabica coffee, USDA certified organic, non-GMO, chemical and gluten-free. <laughs> yeah, you, you, make a good, you make a good point about, you know, I, I didn't think about this when I was doing my little spiel, but, but I think what I didn't like about coffee when I tried it when I was younger is all the coffee drinkers I knew did put a lot of sugar and a lot of creamer in it. And when I started drinking coffee, I didn't put any of that in there. And that's when I actually started liking coffee. So I think that's a point. What about you, Gabe? Today in, in school, I was telling the juniors, so 11th graders, I was telling them that I was disappointed in all of them because by the time I was their age, I'd cleaned up twice. And and that's, unfortunately, I, I don't mean it as a brag. That is actually true. My first coffee experiences were late nights at 24-hour diners, with a pack of cigarettes, a deck of cards, and a bottomless coffee cup. You know, if we could scrape together eight bucks, we'd all go sit in the country kitchen and smoke okay. cigarettes and and play euchre until dawn, drinking coffee. And that experience was not about the flavor. I know. <laughs> Shocking. But the country kitchen coffee at the time almost certainly was brewed in those big giant gross industrial yeah. brewers that never get washed nope. and always just taste a little bit like cleaning solution <laughs> and scale. Yes. Um, but it was coffee and it was good and playing cards was good and listening to social distortion while you played cards on uh, this little tiny portable tape deck was good.
maybe by the time morning came, you would have be able to get somebody to come by and give you a ride so that you could get home. But until then, like this is what we were doing. That's my experience with coffee. Then in high school, yeah, that's right. That's a middle school story, people. Then in high school, I would leave school at about halfway through second period most days to walk down to the McDonald's to get a cup of coffee. And then in the 90s, as it is today, McDonald's coffee is the lowest common denominator of coffee. But that wasn't about the coffee either, because that was about leaving school in the middle of the day and getting away with it. So at that point, then after high school, I started working at a resort where we had those amazing coffee makers with the solid pack concentrate like we had at the former employer. Yeah. And so that was available to me when I'd get in at six in the morning. And that's how I started drinking coffee. That was really when I started drinking coffee in earnest. And (laughs) as a result, I started going to, you know, I lived in Milwaukee at the time. So I started going to little coffee shops and writing poems and, and, and being a coffee shop snob. And from there, it just kind of took off. What, what did we, I feel like we called that something because we, we, we would, we were too snobby to like allow ourselves to call it coffee. Brown drink. Wasn't it brown drink or something? Brown drink. Yes. We called it brown drink. <laughs> You're right. You 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 may you may experience a little bit of energy from this, but you won't enjoy a mo- a second of drink. Not one second. Here, would you like some brown drink with 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 powder or without? In fact, I think at one point we brought a coffee maker in and we were just like bringing bags of coffee from coffee roasters and just making our own coffee. Cause we oh, that's what we had. That was a plunger thing. Yeah. We had the yeah, French press had, going. Oh, French press. Yeah. Yeah. Doing pour overs in my office. I yeah. really miss yeah. your pour overs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still do pour overs here on the weekends. I have not brought the pour over to my classrooms because I just don't have time to fiddle with coffee. Sure. And so I, I'm a big proponent as much as I, hate everything about these machines of the Keurig. You can make a decent cup of coffee with the Keurig at the cost of the future for the planet for your children. Right. right. And I'm okay with that because I'm busy. (laughs) We dumped our Keurig because of that. And typically we, we got a nice, a nice coffee brewer. And then also like I do a lot of cold brew where I just, I just put the beans and I just, I have a cold brew, like a special cold brew thing to put in the fridge and put it in there overnight. And then it's ready in the morning. For yep. Me. Same. That's what I do in the summer. Cold brew. So Nick, so Nick, Nikenji, we get to hear your coffee story. I don't have a coffee story. Y'all. My oh. coffee story is the fact that I drank decaf coffee in the fanciest Swiss water <laughs> process which i had to google because i was like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna stop drinking coffee or try to wean myself <laughs> off a of coffee i need to do it in a healthy way and it just didn't sit right with me that you would decaffeinate coffee beans using chemicals mm-hmm. even though the research says that it's perfectly healthy so then when i discovered the swiss water process which apparently is from some guy on a ship realized that when the beans hit had water or whatever they were no longer some shit it's quite an interesting story that i perhaps could have looked up in preparation for that i think of it yeah that would be homework it's so good the only bad thing is like you have to take 
more spoonfuls of it to make the coffee than you would if it was like a regular de decaffeinated and i i love to fix problems and get the perfect thing so what i did because i had just gotten this job and i wanted to make sure like i wanted everything to be like just like perfect and i always have to pursue perfection so i was on amazon looking up this is not sponsored by amazon looking up like the perfect coffee maker and one of my biggest things was that i needed it to be a timer based one but i also didn't want it to be like one of those giant fucking pots because i once had a giant fucking pot i don't drink that much coffee like i don't need an entire pot like the treat in and of itself is having that one cup in the morning i don't need to give myself like a three cup a day habit so i finally found one that allows you to just do like basically it feels just like a cup that comes with it which is like a regular standard like 12 12 ounce 14 ounce mug and it has a timer and i can probably count on two hands the number of times i've actually been disciplined enough to put the coffee in set, put the water in set the timer so that when i wake up in the morning i'll have coffee ready because guess what i'm a person that really really loves routine and structure but i really really hate routine and structure <laughs> you're the kind of person whose routine and structure is honed down to the second where if anything goes wrong the routine is gone and it i understand that and i understand that so much because like if the coffee pot is not prepared then fuck it. No coffee. We got to go. <laughs> yeah, totally. I hear you. <laughs> well, not even, it's not even, okay, it's not quite that bad, but what is terrible, well, it's like, I can't guarantee that I'm going to wake up at the same time every day. And so if I set the timer, then that means I could wake up potentially to like cold coffee because I woke up at eight and I set it for seven 30 and now it's been sitting prepared this entire time. So I haven't really used it very often, the, the timer setting, which I swear to you, like I had like 15 different options and I was evaluating based on whether or not I could time and whether or not the size of the craft was small enough for my liking. And here I am, haven't used the timer selection thing maybe six times since I've gotten it, like six months ago but like amazon has this feature and so also because i i love routine but i hate it amazon has this feature you know where you can like set, select a, a product it's like an essential item and you can just have it be delivered once a month or whatever the cadence is mm -hmm. and even though technically i think i average using like one package of this once a month or so i can't get myself to sign up to have it delivered <laughs> once a month so every time i'm like shit it seems like it's been about a month since i last ordered i could just make this like a regular delivery but that would require me having to have a routine in which i drink the coffee every day and sometimes i don't and so here I am where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of low. I need to go order some more coffee. And I'm like, well, maybe you should just do the the, the, the re recurring delivery in a Kenji. And I'm pretty sure that I'm going to think about it and then be like, well, that locks me into a routine. Yeah, no, <laughs> subscribe and save. No, you subscribe and save. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but also to be, to be fair to 
initially like five months seven whenever it was in august subscribe and save came with a discount Mm -hmm. and i'm not seeing that discount on this coffee anymore so i'm like well shit i'll just like maybe i'll pull the trigger when the subscribe and save comes back and that is my current journey with coffee i have been supplementing my habit with putting like okay this is weird this is weird y'all so at some point when i was working at my the employer after our former employer one of my co-workers got me on to what was it a, a chai latte Mm. And I really mm. fucked deep with chai. So then I just started getting the tea bags because, you know, Starbucks is expensive. And they basically just use a fucking syrup. And so now I just get the tea bags. So what I do is like in my coffee thingy, majiggy, maker thingy, where you put the water, I put the tea bags in it. And so then when I make my coffee, I make like a chai coffee drink. And that shit is bomb but pretty good technically what that means is is that i need to clean my because what i'll do is i'll like not clean the coffee grains out of the coffee that i made like say this morning and if it's like three days before i make the next coffee if i'm using tea bags that can be quite gross but so far i'm not dead and so like i'm like shit yeah you live alone (laughs) (laughs) the worst part about living alone is you can't blame anybody for doing (laughs) (laughs) that is fantastic now i'm getting verklempt we're all verklempt i'm sorry talk amongst yourselves I'll give you a topic. The Romanesque church design was based on the Roman Basilica. Discuss. Okay, there I feel better. Me too. Thanks, God, for waterproof Lancome. Fantastic. So I want to move on to what did we learn? But before I do that, I think it is time to verify our next week's topic. Next week's topic is laws. Oh, God. Laws. But did you see I added mushrooms, Weird Al, and dancing? I did. So next week, we're looking at the law. All right. I I want to go with my learning first. Go for it. I learned that my thesis, where I did empirical research, was not as shitty as I thought because there are people <laughs> out there who wrote on coffee and literally contributed nothing to the to the dialogue. <laughs> yep. Like coffee is is drunk by a lot of people. Oh. <laughs> Here are fifteen more pages. Oh, that's what I learned. <clears throat> I learned today is that the Amazon coffee automatic delivery is too much commitment for Nikenji. <laughs> Which I've been there too. I mean, like, it's like, hmm, do I want to guarantee I get this again? Setting myself for self setting myself for, for some time down the road having to unsubscribe, or just, just want to do it from memory all the time. And it's like uh, and I also learned that, you know, thanks to Gabe, I learned that. 
you know, I take a decent amount of doses of coffee, not not any kind of amount of doses of coffee that would hurt me. Three to four. And I just like how they refer to it as doses. I mean, I guess that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That really appeals to that 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 the guy sitting at the sitting at the country kitchen, like yeah, I gotta get my dose. Get yeah. dose. <laughs> Let's have some dose. Let's, that was a different thing, I think, actually, back then. So, uh, what did we learn? Well, I learned Yemen is OG coffee house snob. <laughs> Thanks, Yemen. And then this is actually something you said that I tweaked a little bit, Nick. To turn it into, and maybe this could be a feature for the program. Finally, here's our potential hold steady lyric of the night. (laughs) The brown drink's not coffee, but it'll still get you high. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty good hold steady link, isn't it? it, Yes, it is. Very good. (laughs) And then, finally, Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Even though, even though she was stranded in the Delta Quadrant, she still had that coffee coming out of the replicators. Because no matter what, no matter how far from home you are, as long as you got coffee, it will probably be okay. <laughs> We never mentioned Catherine Janeway, but I was not going to let that one go. (laughs) 